Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This morning we're beginning a new series called Masterclass. And I think it's kind of perfect because we're entering back into a new school year. Uh, Everything's still a little weird and touch and go. But we're beginning this series called Masterclass. What is a masterclass? Well, if you have a Facebook feed, anything like mine, you get a lot of ads about people doing all different kinds of masterclasses. And you could define a masterclass like this, a practical teaching workshop in which a recognized expert instructs a small group of highly talented students in a particular skill. And so it's a kind of teaching, it's a kind of class that's not so much geared towards theoretical knowledge, it's more geared towards how to master a skill from a recognized master of that skill. And so that's become a a really popular way, especially under, uh, you know, the lockdown conditions for uh, artists and great kind of uh, craftspeople and chefs and um, anyone that has uh, a particular practical set of wisdom and skill to be able to offer that skill. And um, I've actually taken quite a few over the the whole COVID season um, myself. And why do we turn to those master classes? Well, we turn to a master class to apprentice ourselves to a master, to a recognized expert, the best in the game. And we do that so that we can learn to do what they do, or maybe even to become the kind of person that they are. We apprentice ourselves to them. So at the end of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is calling his first students. He's calling his first apprentices. And he says, come, follow me, so that I can teach you to do what I do, which is not just to fish fish, but to fish people. And so it says that he was traveling all around uh, Galilee and Syria and all the, the, the region, and he was becoming famous. He was being recognized, and it says great crowds were following him. You know, Jesus had actual, not just Instagram followers, but he had actual followers. Crowds that followed him because that was quite literally the only way that you could hear what he had to say and learn from him, right? And so at the start of Matthew 5, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. And so what we see there is Jesus beginning his master class. And we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And so Through the course of this series over the next number of weeks, we're going to be effectively taking this class with Jesus. But before we begin that, we have to ask, if this is his master class, then what exactly is Jesus the master of? And what skill does he hope to teach us by taking his class? There's lots of different answers to that, and we're going to get into that uh, through, the, through the course of the series. But we have a lot of teachers in this church. 
Now, every teacher knows that when you're designing a class, one of the things you have to do is think through the learning objectives. What is it that I want the students to come away with as a result of this class? If they're successful students, what do I want them to be able to leave this class knowing or knowing how to do, right? Well, John Stott said that the Sermon on the Mount is probably the best known, but probably least understood, and certainly least obeyed part of Jesus' teaching. <laughs> I would say it's also probably the most universally acknowledged masterclass in all of history. It's respected, it's alluded to all the time in political speeches or uh, by, you know, uh, religious leaders or politicians or philosophers or artists or uh, activists. Certainly, I hope every Christian knows about this masterclass, but how many of us would claim to actually understand what it's about? <laughs> what are we meant to come away with here, Jesus? And so this series is all about taking this time to sit at his feet, to learn from him, to be apprenticed by him. Jesus, the most influential, the most respected leader in all of history. Time Magazine a few years ago said that Jesus is the most influential person in all of history. And so his masterclass, most simply, I would say his masterclass is the masterclass in the school of life. Because that's what he's master of. He's master of life. And so what he teaches us is how to master the skill of living to practice what he practiced so that we become as he is, able to live as he did. It's not just about being forgiven and set free from sin. That was for the purpose of becoming like him, that we could have the kind of life that he had. That's what he said. I've come that you may have life and have life to the max, life to the full. So, this morning, we're going to do something very simple. We're going to sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to simply listen to the master's words. No explanation, no exposition from me. We're just going to listen to his words. And so, what I'd like to do right now is invite you just to Still yourself, maybe close your eyes, breathe deeply, <laughs> and engage your imagination. I want you to picture what it would be like with these crowds of people following Jesus up onto that hillside by the Sea of Galilee. What it would be like to be there. The sights, the smells, the sounds, the, the textures. And sitting at his feet and listening to him deliver these words as his students. And it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the hillside and sat down. His disciples came to him. He took a deep breath 
and began his teaching. Blessings on the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Blessings on the mourners. You're going to be comforted. Blessings on the meek. You're going to inherit the earth. Blessings on people who hunger and thirst for God's justice. You are going to be satisfied. Blessings on the merciful. You'll receive mercy yourselves. Blessings on the pure in heart. You will see God. Blessings on the peacemakers. You'll be called God's children. Blessings on people who are persecuted because of God's way. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Blessings on you when people slander you and persecute you and say all kinds of wicked things about you falsely because of me. Celebrate and rejoice. There is a great reward for you in heaven. That's how they persecuted the prophets who went before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt becomes tasteless, how's it going to get salty again? It's no good for anything. You might as well throw it out and walk all over it. You are the light of the world. A city can't be hidden if it's on top of a hill. People don't put a lamp under a bucket. They put it on a lampstand. Then it gives light to everybody in the house. That is how you must shine your light in front of people. Then they'll see what wonderful things you do, and they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. Don't suppose I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy them. I came to fulfill them. And I'm telling you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not one stroke, not one dot is going to disappear from the law until it's all come true. Yeah. Let me tell you, anyone who relaxes a single one of these commandments, even the little ones, and teaches that to people, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
Yes, let me tell you, unless your covenant behavior is far superior to that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get in to the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it said to the ancient people, you shall not murder. And anyone who commits murder shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. Anyone who uses foul and abusive language will be liable to the law court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be liable to the fires of Gehenna. So if you're coming with your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has a grievance against you, leave your gift right there in front of the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. Make friends with your opponent quickly while you're with him in the street in case your opponent hands you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you find yourself thrown in jail. Because I'm telling you the truth, you won't get out until you pay every last copper coin. You heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who gazes at a woman in order to lust after her has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to trip up, tear it out and throw it away. Yes, it's better for you to enter for one part of your body to be destroyed than for the whole body to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand trips you up, cut it off and throw it away. Yes, it's better for you to have one part of your body destroyed than for your whole body to go into Gehenna. It was also said, if someone divorces his wife, he should give her a legal document to prove it. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife unless it's in connection with immorality, makes her commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall give to the Lord what you promised under oath. But I say to you, don't swear at all. Don't swear by heaven, it's God's throne. Don't swear by the earth, it's God's footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. Don't swear by your head. You can't make one hair turn white or black. When you say yes, mean yes. And no, when you mean no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. You heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, don't use violence to resist evil. Instead, when someone hits you on the right cheek, turn the other one towards them. When someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your cloak also. 
And when someone forces you to go one mile, go a second with him. Give to anyone who asks of you. And don't refuse someone who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for the people that persecute you. That way, you'll be children of your Father in heaven. After all, he makes the sun rise on bad and good alike. He sends rain on both the upright and the unjust. Look at it like this. If you love those who love you, do you expect some special reward? Even tax collectors do that, don't they? And if you greet your own family, what's so special about that? Even Gentiles do that, don't they? Well, then you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. When you're practicing your piety, mind you don't do it with an audience, with an eye on who's watching. Otherwise, you won't have any reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give money to the poor, don't sound a trumpet in front of you. That's what people do when they're just play-acting. in the synagogues and in the streets. They do it so that people will be impressed with them. But I'm telling you the truth, they've received their reward in full. No, when you give money, don't let your left hand have any idea what your right hand is up to. And that way, your giving will be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, you mustn't be like those play actors. When they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will notice them. I'm telling you the truth. They have received their reward in full. No, when you pray, go into your own room, shut the door, and pray to your father who's there in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. When you pray, don't pile up a jumbled heap of words. That's what the Gentiles do. They think that the more they say, the more likely they are to be heard. So don't be like them. You see, your Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. So this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come just as it is here on earth. Give us today the bread we need now. And forgive us the things we owe just like we have forgiven what was owed to us. Don't bring us into the great trial, but rescue us from evil. 
Yes, if you forgive people the wrong they have done, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you for what you've done wrong. When you fast, don't be gloomy like the play actors. They, they make their faces quite unrecognizable so that everyone can see that they're fasting. I'm telling you the truth. They have received their reward in full. No, when you fast, tidy your hair and your beard the way you normally do, wash your face so that others won't notice that you're fasting except your father, privately. Then your father, who sees in private, will repay you. Don't store up treasure on earth. Moths and rust will eat it away, and robbers will break in and steal it. No, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Moths and rust don't eat it away there. And robbers don't break in and steal it. Show me your treasure, and I'll show you where your heart is. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is honest and clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body is in the dark. So if the light within you turns out to be darkness, darkness doesn't come any darker than that. Nobody can serve two masters. Otherwise, they will hate the first and love the second or be devoted to the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and wealth. So let me tell you, don't worry about your life. What to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about your body, what to wear. There's more to life than food. There's more to the body than a suit of clothes. Just have a good look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant seeds. They don't bring in the harvest. They don't store things in barns. And your heavenly Father feeds them. Think how different you are from them. Can any of you add 15 inches to your height just by worrying about it? And why worry about what to wear? Take a tip from the lilies in the countryside. They don't work. They don't weave. But let me tell you, even Solomon, in all of his finery, wasn't dressed as well as one of these. So if God gives that sort of clothing even to the grass in the field which is here today and it's on the bonfire tomorrow, isn't he far more likely to clothe you too, you little faith lot?
So don't worry away with what do we eat and what do we drink and what do we wear. Those kinds of things the Gentiles fuss about. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Instead, make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life. And all these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow can worry about itself. One day's trouble at a time is quite enough. Don't judge people, and you won't be judged yourself. You'll be judged, you see, by the judgment with which you judge others. You'll be measured by the measuring rod you use to measure others. Why do you stare at the splinter in your neighbor's eye but ignore the plank in your own? How can you say to your neighbor, here, let me get that splinter out of your eye when you've got a plank in your own eye? You're play-acting. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly enough to take the splinter out of your neighbor's eye. Don't give holy things to dogs. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they'll trample them under their feet, and they'll turn around and attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who searches, finds. Everyone who knocks will have the doors opened. Don't you see? Supposing your son asks you for bread, which of you is going to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, which of you is going to give him a serpent? Well, then if you know how to give good gifts to your children, evil as you are, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So whatever you want people to do to you, do just that to them. Yes, this is what the law and the prophets are all about. Go in by the narrow gate. The gate that leads to destruction, you see, it's, it's nice and wide, and the road going there has plenty of room. Lots of people go that way, but the gate leading to life is narrow. And the road going there is a tight squeeze. Not many people find their way through. Watch out for false prophets. They'll come to you dressed like sheep, but inside they are hungry wolves. You'll be able to tell them by the fruit that they bear. You don't find grapes growing on thorn bushes, do you? Or, or figs on thistles. Well, in the same way, good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit. Actually, good trees can't produce bad fruit, nor can bad ones produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you must recognize them by their fruits. 
Not everyone who says to me, Master, Master, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the people who do the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, lots of people will say to me, Master, Master, we prophesied in your name, didn't we? We cast out demons in your name. We performed lots of powerful deeds in your name. And I will have to tell them, I never knew you. You're a bunch of evildoers. Go away from me. So then everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Heavy rain fell, floods rose up, the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And anyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them, they will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Heavy rain fell, floods rose up, the winds blew and battered the house, and down it fell with a great crash. And so it was, when Jesus finished these words, that the crowds were astonished at his teaching. He was teaching them, you see, on his own authority, not like the scribes used to do. Jesus gives us an invitation at the end of his master class. It's an invitation to become his student, to sit at his feet, to learn from him so that you can become like him. And that's an invitation that stretches to us today, right here in this moment, in this place. If you're watching online or, or in future watching a recording, that invitation is stretched out to you. And so, if you'd like to become Jesus' student, his apprentice, if you'd like to walk with him and learn from him as the master, devoting your life to him so that you can learn to be and to live like him, then I'd like to invite you into the classroom today. And how you can do that is simply coming before him and offering him words like these. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and if that's you, you can pray this, this simple prayer of commitment. This is your, your enrollment into his class. You can pray something like this with me. Jesus, You are the master of life. You're the greatest person that's ever lived. And I want to walk with you. I'm sorry for trying to do things my own way. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. 
Thank you that you died for me so that I could live in you. And thank you that you're alive today. Thank you for inviting me into your life. Jesus, today, I want to become your apprentice. I want to learn from you and no one else. Please give me your Holy Spirit right now. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.